What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Talk Recorded live. Yes, folks, we're back. It's uh, Marty McFly here, minus his Doc Brown, if you will, but it is episode number 38 of Wrestling Revisited for your Tuesday night hour, August the 10th, 2016, and welcome to the Retro Time Machine show every Tuesday night where we give you the time and places on where we were and how we were in time, let's just say. Let's give you the number, one seven two four 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 seventy forty four. Caller ID number one three nine nine two six. You can talk to me now. I am the host of the show, the Iceman, Jerry DeJuan, the host of Raw Radio, if you will. And tonight, folks, we're going to take you back ten years ago this year, however, to the year 2006 and to the event One Night Stand. Of course, it was held at the Hammerstein Ballroom in Midtown Manhattan, New York City, New York. Of course, as you know, of course, prior to this uh, event, however, for many years, the WWF, of course, had hosted Monday Night Raw in its early years from 1993 through 1995 in this venue, of course. Uh, A lot of people remember the very first Raw was held in January of 1993, and of course, on that night, a new Monday Night Raw show concept was born however, by Vince McMahon. Well, on this night, however, Vince McMahon decided, along with Paul Heyman, the former owner of Extreme Championship Wrestling, or as Jerry the King Lawler used to call it, extremely crappy wrestling, however, decided to hatch an idea by bringing back the ECW name for one night and one night only. The question was, would it last, however? Well, we would certainly find out, however, on this night, however, as 2460 packed into the Hammerstein Ballroom, and we're looking forward towards a great show. Of course, prior to this, of course, WWE had announced that they were canceling their former Saturday night show, however, which was known as Velocity, if you will, by re-airing, however, ECW. As a result, however, ECW two days after this event, however, would be back on primetime television. Only thing was, however, it would be on Tuesday nights at 10 o'clock at night rather than their old show, which was on Friday nights at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time from 1999 through 2000. Yes, folks, ECW for about a year, back in the late 90s into early 2000, used to do a Friday night show on the national network, now known as Spike TV, a.k.a. TNN at the time, however, and they used to broadcast their Friday night show every Friday night for about a year. At the time, Joey Styles, of course, was the voice of ECW with his cohort and assistant, if you will, the quintessential stud muffin, if you will, Joel Gertner, who had a lot of names besides his real name, if you will, as a lot of people used to uh, give him a lot of leadway. Of course, uh, Paul Heyman, of course, broadcasted all these shows all over the country in places like the Odium in Chicago, Illinois, the Rave in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, of course, the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City, New York, the legendary ECW Arena there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in the corners of Swanson and Rittner Streets, and other places as well. But on this night, he decided to get a little permission from Vince McMahon if it was okay to broadcast his old show, ECW, for one night and one night only. And believe me, folks, this was a grand show that would not be forgotten anytime soon. Now, with that said, however, let's tell you about what happened on the show. 
The show began, oddly enough, of course, with the introduction of the announced team, Joey Styles and Taz, who, of course, would go on to become the new voices of ECW on Sci-Fi, as well as SmackDown. Taz, of course, would go on to SmackDown, while Joey would stay on ECW on Sci-Fi. And speaking of Joey Styles, ladies and gentlemen, just a few days ago, however, on Sunday, this past week, however, after serving the company for almost a decade or so in the video capacity, the WWE decided to release Joey Styles out of his contract. So after about 10 years of being with the company, however, However, as the videographer and also commentator of WWE action, however, the WWE decided to part ways with Joey Styles and give him his unconditional release. So uh, all of us uh, here at the show and many more people out there online and here on the show, I'm sure, want to wish Joey nothing but the best, of course. He was a very unique guy back in the day, of course, a great commentator, a great uh, supporter of ECW for many years, of course. And was one of the true voices and most one of the most underrated voices I feel in announcing history. I mean, this guy could call a match with the best of them. I mean, not to say he was up there like Jim Ross and Gordon Sully, mind you, but he was pretty darn close to being both those guys and then some, if you ask me. Anyway, uh, it was also on this night, of course, we saw some surprises happen, and we'll tell you what happened in the form of surprises as we give you our thoughts here in more ways than as we continue on here tonight. The first match of the night was, of course, Taz taking on Jerry the King Lawler. Of course, these two had had a previous history six years before, back at SummerSlam 2000, if you will. And as a result, prior to that, Lawler once again began to ran down ECW Heller in promos on Monday Night Raw with Jim Ross sitting next to him and told him it was a mistake in calling ECW, in his words, extremely crappy wrestling. As a result, Taz defended the honor of ECW on this night by standing up for his fellow uh, company, if you will, at one time, however. And as a result, he challenged Lawler to a matchup at this event. As a result, Taz basically made Taz, excuse me, Taz made Jerry the King Lawler pass out to his Taz mission, which is sort of like a chokehold, if you will. As a result, however, he uh, put down Lawler in less than 30 seconds flat, however, and afterwards, Taz went on to join Joey Styles for the rest of the night hour on commentary. Now, prior to the show, however, it was supposed to be Joey Styles, Jerry the King Lawler, and Jim Ross on this night, however. As a result, however, that was not the case, however. Jim Ross did not show up here at this event, and as a result, after uh, running down ECW for weeks at a time, however, both on TV and off TV, however, Jerry the King Lawler got what was coming to him in the form of a chokeout by the human suplex machine. No, not John Groves, our good friend from Raw Radio, mind you. No, no, no. This was the other human suplex machine, the five foot nine, two hundred fifty pound uh, martial artist known as the one man crime spree from Red Hook, Brooklyn, New York, if you will, in the form of Taz. As a result, I thought this matchup was okay, but really should have been on the pre-show rather than on the actual beginning of the show, if you ask me. But I guess they wanted to start out in a big way, however, and they did so by having this match happen. Up next, however, mind you, however, Kurt Angle, however, believe it or not, however, who uh, the previous year, however, had been an anti-crusader against the ECW brand in a way, however, decided, however, to uh, uh, stand up for his new company in a way and take on Raw's Randy Orton. As a result, however, uh, Angle got pretty good cheers from the faithful, while Randy Orton did not receive many cheers from the fans whatsoever. As a result, these two went at it next here in the second match of the evening, and as a result, Kurt Angle defeated Randy Orton by submission in over 15 minutes. 
Uh, my thoughts about this matchup, it was pretty good. It was the third best match of the night. I thought these two really did pretty well with each other. And uh, Kurt, of course, as you know, would uh, go on after this was all said and done to try his luck uh, by going after, once again, the World's Heavyweight Championship. Of course, two years before this, of course, uh, Angle had taken on Brock Lesnar, if you will, at WrestleMania. And as a result, however, dropped the title to Brock Lesnar, if you will, in front of 54,000 fans at the Seattle Safeco Field there at WrestleMania 19. But on this night, over 2,500 people packed into the ECW arena to see these two go at it. And as a result, it was a pretty good matchup, if you ask me. Next, of course, we had tag team competition in full-blooded Italians, Little Guido Martino, better known to you all as Nunzio, and Tony Mamaluke, if you will, with their big... Uh, partner, if you will, Big Sal E. Graziano, however, who at the time was the bodyguard of the full-blood Italians, took on the Japanese buzzsaw Yoshihiro Tajiri and the insane luchador Super Crazy. This went about 12 minutes and change. Uh, I thought this was a great match. I liked both teams back in the day, and I still do to this very day. I think all four of them have great chemistry with each other. Of course, Crazy, Tajiri, and Nunzio always found a way to steal the show, always in ECW when they were mixing it up with each other or teaming up with the other people. And I think they were three of the most underrated people at the time in WWE when they were in the company. Of course, Super Crazy uh, was known, as we said, the insane luchador. Of course, he had many pals, as we said, with Tajiri and Nunzio. Of course, he is a former, and look here, uh, former, let's see, I just saw it a second ago. He was a former television champion, of course, back in the day. And he also, believe it or not, uh, won the International Wrestling Association hardcore title nine times, folks. That's right, nine times. So uh, he's a very unique guy. Of course, Tajiri, as you know, uh, known to everyone as the Japanese buzzsaw, still wrestling to this very day, of course. Uh, I became a fan of Tajiri's back in the late 90s when he debuted in ECW. Of course, he himself is a former three-time Cruiserweight champion as well as one-time ECW television champion and also world tag team champion, if you will. And I'll tell you what, folks, he's still wrestling to this very day, folks. He has also had a chance to become a trainer in his spare time, too, uh, training guys like uh, Josh O'Brien, uh, Lynn Bryan, and uh, some of these other Japanese names. My Japanese ain't great, folks, so please bear with me. If you if I fudge up the names, please bear with me. Uh, another guy, Siri, S-Y-U-R-Y, no, not the Siri like you have on your phone, but Siri, the Japanese wrestler. So uh, those are just some of the names, uh, if you ask me, that he trained, has trained over the years. Like I said, uh, great match, nevertheless, and these two definitely were, uh, or these four guys were definitely fun to watch. Up next, folks, was one of the better matches of the evening, however, believe it or not. Rey Mysterio versus Sabu, however, in an Extreme Rules match with the World Heavyweight Championship spot on the line. Uh, Rey at the time had won the WWE Championship a few months before at WrestleMania 22 in Chicago and was taking on uh, the suicidal, homicidal, genocidal madman from Bombay, of course, who was trained by his legendary father, or excuse me, his uncle, I should say, the legendary Sheik, who also trained... Sabu's one-time partner and long-time associate, if you will, the whole effing show, who we'll talk about in just a little while, however, Mr. Pay-Per-View himself, Rob Van Dam. As was all prior to this matchup, of course, JBL, of course, uh, along with uh, 
his uh, friends, Howard, decided to show up, Howard, on the show and tell everyone, Howard, that they were going to make an impact on this show, just like uh, Paul Hayden was hoping to make an impact on this show. And as a result, things got a little testy between him and the Blue Meanie, if you will. As a result, the ECW fans told uh, JBL and the Raw audience what they thought of him in no uncertain language, let's just say. And it was very heated, to say the least. But nevertheless, uh, the next matchup, as we said, was Rey Mysterio versus Sabu for uh, the World Heavyweight title. This went about nine minutes or so. Uh, good match. Uh, crazy ending, though, to say the least. And if you've not seen the ending of this match, I advise you to check it out. It is just an absolute brutal, brutal ending, to say the least, uh, in more ways than one, let's just say. But nevertheless, I thought it was a pretty good match. And I thought these two really worked well with each other. Uh, of course, Sabu, many times over, as we said, um, has been known by many names. Uh, the homicidal, suicidal, jet, slow, madman of Bombay, uh, Air Sabu, uh, the evil Knievel of wrestling, the Houdini of hardcore, uh, the crazed kamikaze, the human highlight. I mean, this is a guy who has won the ECW Heavyweight Championship uh, twice, believe it or not, and also has won the ECW Tag Team Championship three straight times, twice with Rob Van Dam, once with Taz back in the day. Uh, he is definitely one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. I've been a fan of his for about 20 years. However, i got to say, this guy just puts his body in the line day after day. However, and he's still actually wrestling to this very day, believe it or not, at the age of 51. And his birthday is actually three days before mine, so go figure. Uh, of course, he of course was trained by his uncle, as we mentioned, of course, uh, the legendary Sheik, a.k.a. Ed Ferrat and made his debut back in 1985. Of course, he also at one time was a WCW wrestler for a brief time, if you will, but didn't last very long because apparently him and WCW never got along with uh, the contracts, let's just say, and also the fan base there as well. But when he was in ECW, it seemed like uh, everyone had more respect for Sabu, and I'll tell you, one of the most craziest Sabu matches I've ever watched, however, prior to this, however, in all honesty, was the matchup he had with Terry Funk back at the Born to Be Wired show in August of 1997. That was, of course, the night when Terry Funk dropped the ECW title after five months to Sabu. Uh, again, if you have never seen that match, folks, uh, be advised and be cautious. Uh, you might be a little squeamish, to say the least. I know I was the first time I watched it. Uh, it is one of the most physical, intense, brutal championship matches I've ever seen. And it's just absolutely extreme, to say the least. So uh, definitely you owe to yourself to check that out if you get a chance, however. And uh, if you do, however, I'd like to hear from you and your thoughts on that. Uh, before we continue, ladies and gentlemen, let's give you the number again, one seven two four 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 seventy forty four. Caller ID number one three nine nine two six pound And, of course, you hit the number one. You can talk to me right now. I'm your host of Raw, Raw Radio and also wrestling revisit the Iceman, Jody Joelmo. Now, don't forget tonight, ladies and gentlemen, Coming up at 9 o'clock, we got a special show for you tonight. Yes, folks, it is the night, however, the night of all nights, if you will, tonight at 9 p.m., folks, here on TalkShoe, 138055-pound, beginning just after 9 o'clock. Join Mr. WCW, Chad Hinshaw, the Black Widow, Michelle Lindartz, the Phenomenal One GTS, Gerard T. Smith, the Human Suplex Machine, John Gross, and the rest of our merry men and women, however, in the panel who might stop by for a little while and have a party, if you will. Yes, folks, we're having enough parties. We're setting up things here in the studio, however, as we speak, and that's why things are uh, a little crazy as they are right now, however. We are celebrating tonight our 200th show. Yes, folks, the big 200, if you will, however, here tonight on TalkShoe, coming up here in just a few hours on Revolution. It's going to be an exciting night. Of course, we'll be talking about uh, some great moments, non-great moments that we've had over the past 200 episodes. 
Uh, I'm sure there will be a lot of tears and emotion, but there will also be some happiness and joy, I'm sure, on all of our parts here tonight as we'll be sharing some stories. Also, we'll be talking about last night's Monday Night Raw, which I'll be talking about here in just a few minutes after we get done with this report here and give you my thoughts about that. Uh, also, ladies and gentlemen, we got a trivia contest in the works tonight, a 10-question trivia contest between the Black Widow, Michelle Lynn Dodds, who will defend her championship belt, however, against Mr. Hulkamania. Mr. Hulkamania himself, Bob Ziegler, is trying to get a hold of that gold and make sure he takes his hands onto it and takes some gold for the very first time. But the question is, will the Black Widow be strong enough to hold on to that belt and devour up Mr. Hulkamania, or will Mr. Hulkamania come through and teach the spider, Michelle Lindodds, a thing or two? Well, we're going to find out here in just a few hours when these two get it on, a 10-question standoff that is truly going to be exciting, to say the least. And speaking of trivia, however, yesterday we had an exciting show on Raw Radio. You can go back and listen to all of our shows on the archive of TalkShoe.com. Uh, the caller ID number is 138744-POUND for that show. Uh, Yesterday we had a battle between the Black Widow and my good friend Fonzie. Of course, a 10-question uh, standoff, those two involving Brock Lesnar. And I can say right now, in two weeks, folks, yes, two weeks from this next Monday, there will be another trivia contest, however, in the works between the Black Widow and the franchise, my cousin Dan DiGirolamo, on, well, let's just say a surprise, however, involving the Black Widow and the franchise. We don't know exactly what the old bean, yours truly me, the Iceman's got in store for these two, but let's just say... It could be very, very perfect, if you know what I mean, however, for these two to decide their fate, however. But that will be coming up in two weeks from this next Monday, ladies and gentlemen, the day after SummerSlam on Raw Radio. And that should be a very, very exciting contest. But yesterday was quite a battle between the Black Widow and, of course, Mr. Fonzie there on Raw Radio. Uh, tomorrow night, don't forget, we got a triple header lined up for you beginning at 6.30 p.m. First off, however, with Outside the Ropes from Mr. WCW Chad Hinshaw, myself, Gerard T. Smith, and whoever else stops by 1403.87. We will be talking about the latest music, movies, entertainment, and also some Olympic news, if you will, however, beginning at 6.30. Then, of course, at 8 o'clock, the Black Widow and King NWO will join me, the Iceman, here for the Wrestling Debate Roundtable, 139925-pound. And then we'll be back on the air at 9 o'clock with Revolution as we'll be talking about SmackDown. That is airing tonight in Bakersfield, California, here in just a little bit. And speaking of which, ladies and gentlemen, we understand that there are two matches that have been signed for tonight's SmackDown. One of them has already been announced. There will be Heath Slater taking on the Man Beast, the former ECW television champion, Rhino. And in another match just announced a little while ago, it is one of Michelle's favorite people. Yes, folks, the Viper himself, Randy Orton, will be back in action, if you will, once again taking on the former WWE World Heavyweight Champion, the man known as Alberto Del Rio, if you will. So Del Rio and Orton will be going at tonight, as well as uh, Rhino and Heath Slater. Also, I'm sure we'll see uh, uh, the new, improved uh, former NXT Tag Team Champions, American Alpha, Chad Gable and Jason Gordon, once again in action, who had a great debut last week there on SmackDown in Music City, USA, a.k.a. Nashville, Tennessee, which I thought they did pretty well as well as the rest of uh, the SmackDown brand, including, I'm sure, John Cena, AJ Styles, Becky Lynch, and whoever else stops by. But we'll be talking about that tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen, and that'll be getting underway on SmackDown here in just over about 35 minutes from now out there in Bakersfield, California, at the Rorick Arena, if you will. That's the name of the arena, Rorick Arena. Of course, last night we uh, saw Monday Night Raw commence live from Anaheim, California, at the Arrowhead Pond, now known as the Haunt Center, the home of the Mighty Ducks, if you will. And, of course, later on tonight on Revolution, we will all be weighing in our thoughts with last night's Raw, and of course I will tell you what I thought about Monday Night Raw too early on with my thoughts here following uh, this review here. So 
With that said, let's go back to the reviews and uh, get into our next match, ladies and gentlemen. This next match was a very good match, one of the better matches of the night, if you ask me. It was a six-person tag. Actually, it was supposed to start out as a tag team involving the hardcore legend Mick Foley and the rated R superstar Edge are taking on Tommy Dreamer and Terry Funk. Yes, these four uh, really found a way to get under each other's skin around this time. But then all of a sudden, however... Next thing you know, Terry Funk, how, excuse me, Tommy Dreamer announces how why we changed the match from a tag team to a six-person intergender match. As a result, it turned out to be just that. However, as a result, it was Mick Foley, Edge, and Lita, of course, Edge and Lita, of course, at the time, were seeing each other both on and off TV. Mick Foley was sort of their new friend in a way, and, of course, Mick Foley had started to heal on the crowd once again and rip apart the crowd, and especially ECW and Paul Heyman after uh, cutting some skating promos prior to this event. As a result, they took on the innovator of violence, Tommy Dreamer, his lovely wife, uh, Beulah McGillicuddy, and, of course, the hardcore crazy legend himself known as Mr. Funk, Terry Funk, if you will, in an intergender match. Uh, This went about 19 minutes and change. This was actually one of the better matches of the night. I thought this was a great match. I thought all six of these guys really busted their tail, especially the women, too, involving Lita and Beulah, even though they were in there for a brief few seconds and getting to a cat fight, if you will. Joey Styles used to yell out, cat fight, cat fight, cat fight. Um, This was a good match. I thought these two uh, did okay with each other, and all six of these uh, performers did their thing. And at the end of the night, I thought, despite the fact that Mick Foley was not liked or whatsoever, uh, by the fans here, and uh, he was with Edge and Lita. That would all change down the road, how his Mick would turn back into a good guy. But on this night, Mick brought in his inner heel back for the first time in a long time, and as a result, he teamed up with Edge and Lita, and as a result, those three defeated the team of Funk, Dreamer, and Beulah here on One Night Stand. Um, a quick side note, folks. However, the previous year, they had had over 325,000 buys from fans out there. Uh, this time, however, unfortunately, they would only have 280,000 people ordering the card, if you will. So they had about 45,000 less buys than the previous year. Of course, they would go on to do two more of these one-night stands in 2007 and 2008. But on this night, however, this was uh, not a bad show, like I said, despite the fact they took a little bit of a plummet here, however, but still. That would all change within a few days after this when they made their return to sci-fi, however, on television, however, and got their uh, own show back on the air, however, for about a few years, however, as they used to do their show each and every uh, Tuesday night there on Sci-Fi at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And most of the time you would have Joey and Taz, you would have uh, Taz and Mike Adamley, which I still think was one of the biggest mistakes they ever did, bringing in Mike Adamley, even though he used to be the voice of the American Gladiators and some other sporting events. He just never really clicked, I thought, with the ECW fans, and I thought he was sort of like really dry and subpar in his announcing skills as well as uh, his role as general manager for a time. He was that, however. Um, overall, however, I thought he could have done a lot better. But as far as Taz goes, I mean, yeah, there were times he was pretty good as an announcer, both on ECW and on SmackDown. But the last few years he was around in the WWE, however, he started to dry out too. And then he went over to TNA. And ever since he got to TNA, it just seems like he hasn't been the same guy whatsoever. I just wish WWE would give him a chance to come back. I don't know if him and WWE had a falling out or WWE and him had a falling out, but uh, I wish they would bring him back. I think they could use him right now as an announcer. I think some of these announcers are just absolutely blah, to say the least. Case in point, uh, Byron Saxton, I think he's absolutely horrible in every sense of the word, and I wish they would consider bringing him back. Um, as far as David Otunga goes, I know they just brought him in on SmackDown to be with JBL, Mar Renul, the new voice of SmackDown. I think he's done okay so far, but I still don't think Otunga's quite up to speed yet as an announcer. I think it's going to take him a little longer, if you ask me. 
But uh, if there's one announcer they could replace right now in the WWE, I would have to say Byron Saxon would have to be that guy. I think they've got a pretty good team right now with uh, Corey Graves and Michael Cole, especially Corey Graves. I, I am a huge Corey Graves mark through and through. I've been uh, really the last three or four years since he uh, got into the WWE, especially starting out in NXT and, of course, his career ending suddenly due to an injury. But uh, ever since he's become an announcer, I have become more and more a fan of Corey Graves each and every week, and I'm not ashamed to admit that I am a Corey Graves fan. Uh, this guy, of course, from my hometown, uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, he's very knowledgeable. He's very uh, articulate, let's just say, and very smart. I think he reminds me sort of a young Bobby the Brain Heaney with the cockiness he's got. And I think if uh, he continues to do well, I think the sky's the limit for this guy. I really do mean that. But uh, as far as regular announcers go, I think you've got to get definitely rid of Byron Saxon. If you do that, I think you'd bring maybe Taz back in. I think you'd have a pretty good trio. If not, maybe you could replace him with Tom Phillips or maybe someone else. If you ask me right now, I just think Byron Saxon has to be one of the worst announcers in the company, if you ask me. But uh, getting back to this match, as I said, this was a good match, and I thought these six really busted their tail and really worked hard and gave it a good effort. So there you go. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are now on to the semi-main event here, here at One Night Stand 2006, and it was pitting two guys who knew each other pretty well, both inside and outside of the ring. Uh, the late great Balls Mahoney, known as Captain Caveman, who earlier this year we lost suddenly due to a health issue, I believe. <clears throat> Excuse me, a health issue, if you will, the day after his uh, 44th birthday, if you will. Uh, as a result, however, he apparently, we understand, passed away due to a heart attack earlier this year. As a result, he took on Japanese wrestler Masato Tanaka. Of course, Masato Tanaka, I mentioned a few times in the past, used to have so many great battles with uh, Mike Awesome, if you will, the late former two-time ECW uh, World Heavyweight Champion, if you will. On this night, these two uh, former teammates would go at it once more, however. As a result, Mahoney would win the match in about five minutes flat. Uh, overall, it was okay. I thought it could have been a little bit more time involving these two, but, of course, Tanaka, as you know, uh, would go on to uh, be in ECW a little longer after this. Of course, he would uh, appear at... Uh, actually, this was actually my mistake, folks. Uh, I made a total boo-boo there. Sorry. Uh, I thought he was going to be involved in the one of the final... Uh, let's just say I'm looking here at the card here. Uh, this was actually the somewhat swan song of uh, Masato Tanaka, if you will. So Tanaka, I thought after this one, would have been uh, competing the next two years for ECW at One Night Stand, but unfortunately this was the last appearance of Masao Tanaka we would see. Uh, right now he is currently working with him for Pro Wrestling No and Pro Wrestling Zero One, we understand, there in Japan. Uh, he made his debut, of course, at the age of 20. He is now 43 years old, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, so he's still wrestling, believe it or not, this very day. In fact, however, last about two years ago, he uh, performed at his first WrestleCon event, defeating Kevin Steen, better known to you all as Kevin Owens, if you will. Uh, later in the night, he would defeat uh, wrestler Chris Hero at a Dragon Gate USA event, of course. The man known as the Enforcer, the True Man of Summer, the King of E-Style Wrestling, of course. This guy uh, brought it all, no question about it. Of course, he's a former two-time heavyweight champion and also ECW heavyweight champion, self-beating Mike Awesome back in the day before dropping the belt the following week uh, to Mike Awesome. But, uh, yeah, this is a guy who used to have finishers like the uh, uh, Diamond Dust, of course, the Roaring Elbow, of course, uh, other sorts of moves, however, including the uh, Tanaka Blaster, the Shotgun Stunner, the Running DVD, and the Niagara Driver. 
Uh, this guy, of course, is one of the best. No question about him referring to Tanaka. I mean, he really brought to the table every time when he fought guys like Mike Awesome or Balls Mahoney or other people. Of course, Balls Mahoney, as we mentioned at one time, was a former uh, champion in his own right. In fact, he was a three-time ECW Tag Team Champion, believe it or not, back in the day uh, when he competed in ECW. Known as the hardcore chair swing frinker, Captain Caveman, if you will. Uh, he always had uh, the song... Uh, uh, we've got balls, however, and no pun intended, that was the way it was. Of course, he teamed up with Tanaka once to win one of those belts, if you will, during his three-time reign, and also teamed up with little Spike Dudley twice. So uh, this is a guy who, sadly, we lost earlier this year at the age of 42, however, of a heart attack the day after his birthday, who we think about quite often. Uh, this guy was very unique, no question about it. I mean, he was really, really a tough guy, both in the ring and out of the ring was Mahoney. Uh, he was a big guy, no question about it, a guy that uh, was very, very interesting. Let's just say he said 6'2", 260. Of course, he made his pro debut, oddly enough, believe it or not, at 15 years old. That's right, 15 years old, believe it or not. And, of course, he did not get his big break, however, until about um, several years later, of course, at the age of 22, and um, actually called himself early on in his career Boo Bradley Jr. before changing it over to Balls Mahoney. So there you go. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, with that said, we are now going into the main event. However, it was Rob Van Dam taking on John Cena. You could tell John Cena was not a very popular fan on this night. However, let's just say here at the uh, arena, if you will, however. And before we do, ladies and gentlemen, we have uh, some news on Raw from last night, ladies and gentlemen. We just found out, ladies and gentlemen, the Raw ratings from last night, however, were really not good. Uh last week, of course, they dipped down to a 2.3 after doing almost a 2.4 the first week of the new era involving Mick Foley and uh, Stephanie McMahon Helmsley Levesque, the wife of uh, WWE multiple-time champion and current COO of the game, Triple H, Paul Michael Levesque, if you will. As a result, last week they went down to a 2.3, of course, after being a 2.4 the very first week, the night after WWE's battleground in Pittsburgh. As you know, that was the night when Sasha Banks took on Charlotte for the woman's title and defeated Charlotte, ending her uh, Close to year-long reign, however, as far as women's champion, if you ask me. Of course, that was also the same night we saw Finn Balor make his debut in the WWE on Monday Night Raw. Uh, last night's Raw in Anaheim was not very good at all, to say the least. And I'll tell you what, Howard, they better pick it up next week, Howard, going into SummerSlam, because this is the go-home show next week, heading into SummerSlam uh, next week in Corpus Christi, Texas, which is where uh, they will be next Monday night. Of course, we understand Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman will be there, we understand they have already been advertised for the show, and they plan to be there to hype up, I'm sure, the big matchup that is coming up two weeks from Sunday there at SummerSlam in Brooklyn, New York, next Monday uh, there in the Lone Star State, just outside the Gulf of Mexico or Mexico, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, as a result, however, they will be there, we understand, next Monday, we understand. But getting back to Raw's rating, last night, ladies and gentlemen, they did a 2.0. A 2.0. I mean, that's very alarming, to say the least, ladies and gentlemen. And I'll tell you what, how I understand you didn't have a bad main event involving the Swiss Superman, Antonio Cesaro taking on the Bulgarian brute, uh, Alexander Rusev and his new bride, however, the lovely, lovely, lovely ravishing Lana. As a result, it ended in a hokey schmoz, however, despite the fact that uh, Cesaro was close to winning the U.S. title, however. But overall, however, even though the Olympics were on and a couple other things weren't on that really weren't that big last night, for Raw to do a 2-0 last night, I mean, that's very alarming. 
That's more than alarming. Now, I'll tell you right, right now, this brand split, I said this a few weeks ago when the split happened. Huh? I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it's going to work still. I really don't. I think after what I saw last night and just looking at the ratings right now, I think you can honestly say that last night, despite the fact you had Dean Ambrose on after the show in the Stone Cold podcast on the WWE Network, and uh, you didn't have really any other big names last night, like Sami Zayn, Finn Balor, or anything like that on the show, especially Sami Zayn, who was on the warm-up show, and Finn Balor, who did a brief promo I guess they taped it over the weekend or earlier in the day at the arena, however, there in Anaheim, however. To have both of them not on the show last night, however, and not to have really anything else uh, amazing jump out at me, however, other than the somewhat uh, things that I'll discuss, obviously, here coming up later on in Revolution. But then to do a 2 on the night that P. Diddy hosting the show, who was on the show for only less than five minutes, however, I think WWE Raw fans have got to be very, very alarmed to hear this rating. I mean, I know I would be. And right now, I think WWE better pick it up next week in Corpus Christi. Because if they don't, they could very well be seeing the end of their show. I mean that sincerely, folks. I mean, this show's been on for about 20-plus years, however. And for the Reigns to continue to go up and down, up and down like they have in the last few years, and especially over the past year or so, continue to be putrid at times, however. I mean, if I'm Stephanie McMahon and Triple H, I'm wondering what my future looks like on Monday nights more and more, because right now they are just absolutely doing horrendously bad in the ratings. They're not getting any new talent. I mean, yes, they are getting talent, I should say, like Sammy saying, Finn Power, Kevin Owens, and all those guys from, like, NXT and from other federations, like minor federations. But for them to do the same old crap week after week like they have been doing for the past several months and close to a year, however, with the same old thing, it's just it's alarming. It's really frightening, alarming, to say the least. And I'll tell you right now, they better pick it up and better pick it up quick because last night's show, once again, proved out to be a very subpar, lackluster show, to say the least. And for them to do a 2-0, it's just frightening. But uh, we'll talk more about that here in just a little bit on the Revolution show beginning at 9 p.m. tonight. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, yes, Rob Van Dam and John Cena. Uh, this match was really good. This one was pretty good. Of course, Rob Van Dam has always been one of my favorites and has been a favorite of mine since the mid-90s. Of course, back in the day, of course, he used to debut as Robbie V in WCW before going to ECW and then changed his name over from Robbie V to Rob Van Dam. Of course, later on, he would develop nicknames like Mr. Whole F and Show, Mr. 420, Mr. Monday Night, all those things. Uh, he would also team up with uh, his longtime rival and uh, unique uh, fellow uh, statesman, if you will, the suicidal, homicidal, genocidal madman at Bombay Sabu. Uh, of course, Sabu's uncle, of course, trained Rob Van Dam as well as uh, Sabu, his nephew, if you will, back in the day in the, I believe, from the early 90s, if you will, late 80s, early 90s, if you will. As a result, of course, Rob Van Dam on this night, of course, would win the ECW World's title despite the controversy that reigned supreme on this afterward. However, as a result, he became the ECW World Champion for the very first time by defeating John Cena. Of course, prior to that matchup, the fans had said that if John Cena won, they would cause a riot, they would cause a scene, and it looked like at one time they were about to. They were almost about to, believe it or not. But unfortunately, this night, they did not. Instead, they were happy, they were celebratory, they were uh, jumping for joy and giddy, let's just say, when they saw Rob Van Dam pull off the upset against John Cena. Of course, uh, it would be about a month later, however, that uh, Rob Van Dam would find himself on the screwing end by his former manager slash boss, if you will, Paul Heyman. And as a result, uh, he would drop the title to the big show on ECW Sci-Fi in Philadelphia, however, at the legendary uh, Philadelphia Wells Fargo Arena, if you will, the same place that ECW for many years used to call home uh, there in the city of Brotherly Love. And on this night, however, uh, at least for one night, however, Paul Heyman, 
gave the love to Rob Van Dam and the ECW fans, if you will, by letting him win the ECW World Title from John Cena. But as I said, three, three and a half weeks later, that would all change when Heyman put the screws in, let's just say turn the screws, if you will, and betray uh, the fans as well as Rob Van Dam and everyone in general for a while by siding with the seven foot four, five hundred pound monster known as the Big Show. And as a result, the Big Show would uh, somehow find a way to take away Rob Van Dam's uh, brief uh, title run, if you will, after just three weeks hour and proclaim himself the new ECW World Champion. Of course, Big Show would hold on to that title till the end of December before dropping the belt then to Bobby Lashley in an Extreme Rules uh, cage match, if you will, at the Extreme Elimination Chamber there in December to December in early December of 2006. As a result, of course, uh, he would then, uh, referring to uh, Heyman, two days after this event, however, would find himself on the outs with WWE and be sent home for a while, however, and stay there as they decide to give him his pink slip. But on this night, however, here in uh, the Hammerstein Ballroom, they did not give him his pink slip whatsoever, despite some very serious questions going into the event. As a result, however, they would... uh, have uh, kind of a mixed bag on him, needless to say, and as a result, they they would uh, give him an okay, fair approval on this night. Let's just say, not a great approval, but a fair, okay approval, if you will, and as a result, Van Dam would uh, make uh, the fans somewhat happy by giving him his night, however, let's just say, by becoming the new uh, heavyweight uh, championship, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, becoming the new world's champion. So there you go. Uh, we also, like I said earlier, ladies and gentlemen, want to acknowledge uh, our good friend Gregory Kramer, who, of course, as you know, does uh, all of our uh, fan pages. We want to thank uh, him for uh, putting all those fan pages up, including this new one they just started up today. It is entitled Greatest Rivalry is Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart. If you've never seen that DVD, folks, with Jim Ross, I definitely suggest you check it out. It's a two-and-a-half-hour sit-down interview with these two. They talk a lot about their careers, how they uh, got started, of course, how they uh, – faced off against each other in the Iron Man match, if you will, back in 1996, and then, of course, went on to uh, have the rematch less than a year and a half later in the most famous incident of them all, the Montreal incident, if you will, and what has happened since Montreal, if you will, as they talk what happened after that, too. So if you've never seen that DVD, folks, you definitely owe it yourself to check it out. It is a very very unique, fascinating DVD I have in my collection, i got to say, and it is, like I said, a very interesting Uh, one to watch, and uh, like I said, it is somewhat, I wouldn't say emotional, but it is somewhat, uh, let's say, uh, historical, fascinating, uh, very uh, personal, very uh, emotional, it's a little emotional, I'll just say, but it is pretty much, let's just say, very, very unique. Okay, um, with that said, folks, uh, on my the whole, uh, my final thoughts of this paper before I get into my thoughts about Monday Night Raws, we have about 10, 15 minutes left, which we'll talk about here for another 10, 15 minutes before we get into that. Uh, I'm going to give you my final readings about this pay-per-view. On a scale of 1 to 10, I have to give this about a 7.5 near an 8 out of 10. I was an above average to a pretty solid show, an average show. Um, the best matches of the night, I would have to say without question, is the six-person tag and, of course, the main event. I thought those two really did well. And right behind that, I would put the tag match. I mentioned the FBI versus uh, Tajirian Super Crazy as my third favorite match. Uh, the match I really didn't like, however, I hate to say it, even though it was only a short one and a brief one, I mean, they could have given it another three or four minutes of it. Obviously, it was the semi-main event involving Balls Mahoney and Masato Tanaka. I thought these guys could have been worked 
at least 10, 11, maybe 12 minutes with each other and five minutes that they were given. So uh, that kind of disappointed me. And I would also say the opener kind of disappointed me too. I don't know why you had to have a quick 30-second uh, squash like that when you could have put it on later on in the show rather than open up the show like this. But, oh, well, at least I'm not in the front office booking for WWE, you know. But at the time, I think it was a little crazy that they would go with that right out of the shoot rather than start it out with, like, something big, like a big exciting tag match like I mentioned or a big... Uh, like uh exciting ladder match or something extreme hardcore, if you will, but instead they went with a, an announcer versus an announcer match, if you ask me. Oh, well. So there you have it, folks, uh, my thoughts about One Night Stand 2006. Um, overall, I'd like to hear what you have to say. one seven two four 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 four. 444 caller ID, excuse me, one seven two four 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 seven four four four. caller ID number 139926-POUND, and the number one, you can join us right now. We'll be here for another about 15 minutes or so before we wrap it up here, and uh, then we'll be uh, getting back on the air here shortly around after 9 o'clock, uh, setting up for the big show for us tonight, number 200 on Revolution, caller ID number 138055-POUND. Of course, Mr. WCW Chad Hinshaw, along with the Black Widow, myself, Gerard T. Smith, uh, of course, and I will be handling your news for you. John Gross will have your birthdays and dates in history, and then, of course, we'll be talking about Raw, and then we'll also be getting into the trivia contest as well as some memories from the first 200 episodes of Revolution. And um, before I get into my raw thoughts, I want to talk a little bit about the Revolution show, if I can, here on the air. Uh, it was about a year ago, less than a year ago, I should say, I joined the Revolution team. And uh, I want to thank the three people for letting me come on the air that very first night to uh, share my opinions. Of course, uh, at the time, I had been doing something else, however, with someone else at the time. And so one night, I just stumbled upon this show somehow by accident. And when I got on the air, uh, one of the first people I talked to was Mr. WCW himself, Chad Hinshaw. And Chad introduced himself to me, uh, along with his friends at the time, which I believe were, at the time, the Black Widow and, of course, Gerard. Over the course of the next few months, how I became somewhat very close with them, in a way, however, I used to call every day, it seemed like, every night, basically, nonstop. And shortly after that, however, and prior to that, however, uh, Chad pulled me aside one day and said to me, uh, particularly after one show one night, I remember, how would you like to have a show of your own? And I said, that would be great. What would you like me to do? And that's when he told me uh, he had an idea for me to do raw radio. And I said, well, I have a friend who's interested in wrestling too. Uh, can I bring him aboard? Would you be okay with that? He says, yes, yes, uh, I think we can arrange that. And that's how I got to uh, bring John Gross into the mix. And John, of course, has been, like Gerard T. Smith, my brother, in a way. However, Gerard, of course, being first my brother, John not far behind him. But Gerard, mostly my brother than anyone. Uh, I talked to Gerard about it, I remember, uh, on the line, along with Michelle Lindos as well, about this. And they said it was okay. So, about a year ago, last week or a couple of weeks ago, I should say, uh, believe it or not, uh, we started our very first episode of Raw Radio, I remember. It was me, Gerard, John, and that was it. Over the course of time, of course, we would have uh, guests pop in on the line, like Chad and Michelle, and weigh with their opinions. But then came along people that I got to know as well, and I got to become friends with as well, through John and Gerard, however, as well as uh, Chad and Michelle. 
guys like the Big Diesel, Gregory Kramer, uh, the Lowdown Man himself, Kendrick Smith, the Last Kicker, Amory Reckenbach, uh, the JML Experience, the Big IQ, Jeff Tears, the Rush, Ronda Rush Wright, who I want to thank all them too. But as I said a few weeks ago in my uh, little speech on Raw Radio, however, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, however, if it wasn't for Chad, Michelle, and Gerard, I don't know what I would be doing right now. You know, I enjoy doing this every week for you people, both on Raw Radio here on Revisit as well as Wrestling Debate. But I want to thank those three people, especially Gerard, definitely number one, Chad, not far behind, and definitely MLD, the Black Widow herself, Michelle Lynn Dodds, for giving me the opportunity to come on to their show along with John and bring some of my friends and meet some of their friends. And they met some of my friends and they got to meet, become friends with us too, however. If it wasn't for those three, I don't know what I would be doing right now. So, from the bottom of my heart, I'm going to say this obviously tonight, again on Revolution, however, when I speak my mind about this. I said this a few weeks ago on Raw Radio, and I'll say this again here on the air right now and revisit, uh, wrestling uh, revisited. I want to thank you, Mr. WCW Chad Hinshaw, along with the Black Widow and uh, Mr. GTS, Gerard T. Smith, for giving me the opportunity to come on the air each and every week, however, during the week, to have my say both on the air, here on the air, and also as a co-host and talk about wrestling. I enjoy doing it with you guys. It it puts a smile on my face. It makes my day go a lot faster, a lot more smoother. But like I said, I want to thank you three, especially for giving me a chance to host not only this show, Wrestling Movies, but also Raw Radio. You took a big gamble by bringing in me and John uh, that first time, however, and we are glad that you have chosen both of us, how me and John, to be a part of your radio network family and meet your friends and you meet our friends as well. Uh, whether it was Gregory Kramer, Kendrick, uh, who I'm sure over time uh, got who became a member of the radio network itself, as well as uh, the last kicker, Amory Reckenbach. Uh, the JML Experience, the Big IQ, Jeff Teeters, the Rush, Ronda Rush Wright, uh, Mr. Hulkamania, Bob Ziegler, all those people. I know I've gotten to know some of those people through Chad and Michelle and Gerard, but I also know that they've gotten to meet some of these people that like, I introduced them to Greg, John, and a few other people along the way. And I appreciate Greg and uh, I appreciate Chad and Michelle and Gerard taking the time out to uh, get to know Greg, myself, and John personally, both on and off the air. Uh, we have been very fortunate and we've been very happy that you've actually enjoyed having us be a part of your family this past year. And we hope to continue to make you guys very happy in the years to come. But as I said earlier, I want to thank Chad, Michelle, and Gerard especially for giving me and John, but mostly me than anyone, to get have a chance to host Raw Radio as well as this show here, Wrestling Revisited, each and every week. It's been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it so far. And sometimes I have been flying by the seat of my pants solo because of other obligations, however, and that's okay. But there are times when I have been flying by the seat of my pants, and if I always need to pick me up or if I need someone to just bring me back down a little bit, it's either you, Chad, or you, Gerard, or you, Michelle. But like I said, I want to thank you three for taking a chance on me to do this show each and every week because it has been nothing more than been the purest joy of my life. And I hope that you will continue to enjoy listening 
you three, as well as anyone out, uh, as well as anyone else out there, excuse me, in the years to come, and they'll say, "Hey, this kid has something. This kid has something really good in him." And that only does he have heart, passion, and energy, but the love and support of good friends, good people, and just good vibes everywhere. And I do mean that from the bottom of my heart, guys. I really, truly do mean that. Okay. Well, now that we've gotten that out of the way, uh, sorry about that, folks. I kind of went off base there for a while, and I sometimes do that quite a bit here on the show, as well as some of the other shows, too, including Raw Radio and that, but that's okay. I just felt like I had to address this matter personally, and I hope that when Chad, Michelle, or Gerard listen to this, or any of you guys listen to this, you'll agree with what I have to say. And if you don't, that's okay, too, but I'd like to hear what you have to say, folks. Uh, it's been a great 38 show so far. We're going to be coming up on episode 39 next week, of course. Hopefully, Gerard T. Smith will be uh, back in the saddle with us next week. I will be back in two weeks, though, meanwhile, ladies and gentlemen, for a big historical episode number 40. Yes, folks, the big 4-0. I know it's crazy. We're going to end our 30s in style next week, but the following week, our two weeks from tonight, we'll be celebrating our 40th episode. Yes, folks, the big 4-0. And how fitting is it that we'll be celebrating the big 4-0 in two weeks? Because at the end of this year, I'll be turning the big 4-0 myself. Yes, folks, I'll be turning 40 years old by the end of 2016. So it's only fitting. Okay. Um, looking at the uh, time right now, we got about mm, about a couple minutes left, about less than five minutes left. Uh, Anything else I want to touch upon, of course, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, Wolfpack Radio will be on uh, Thursday night, 138521-POUND. That should be a very exciting show. Uh, this Saturday, ladies and gentlemen, you can listen to the Power Hour. Mr. WCW Chad Hinshaw will be here. Unfortunately, the Iceman will not be there. He has a prior obligation to fulfill, and he will be out, unfortunately. But you can listen to him at, you know, at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 141364. Also, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget this Saturday night, listen to Attitude Radio with the Black Widow and uh, the Phenomenal one, GTS. As I like to call them, the Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi of Saturday Night Live. If you will, the Blues Brothers duo bring you their thoughts of wrestling, however, with Raw, SmackDown, NXT, TNA. Also, maybe some SummerSlam thoughts, however, and early Raw thoughts, if you will, this Saturday night. The caller ID is 138982. That will begin at 9 p.m. this Saturday night. Also, I want to congratulate Michelle Lynn Dodds, the Black Widow herself. I know Mr. WCW Chad Hinshaw will talk about this maybe tonight, maybe he won't, but I just want to congratulate her and also Chad, of course, especially Chad and Michelle together, for launching the newest show to the Radio Network family, WCW Women's Revolution. Uh, right now, we understand that show got off to a flying start the other night, how it made its debut here on Talk Show. Uh We do not know yet exactly what date, excuse me, day and time that will be on. We do not know yet... Uh, the caller ID, but once we do, we will let you know. But I want to congratulate Chad for giving Michelle a chance to host her own show. I know Chad took a gamble on me and John about a year ago with Raw Radio. He also took a gamble on Gerard, as well as Michelle, of hosting Attitude Radio. They both paid off, it seems like, in more ways than one. And now he's taking even a bigger gamble, but I wouldn't say a bigger gamble, a really smart choice here by having probably one of the smartest women in wrestling. I do mean this from the bottom of my heart, folks. One of the smartest and one of the most friendliest people you want to talk to on radio, however, and outside of radio, the Black Widow herself, Michelle Lindodds, of hosting her own show, Women's Revolution. So, Michelle, 
As I said yesterday on Raw Radio, and I'm going to say it again here tonight, and I'm going to say it again, I'm sure, here later on tonight in Revolution, but I'm going to say it here tonight on Revisited. Congratulations on your new show. Best of luck to you. Much success and much love. And I know it's going to be a big hit. I think a lot of people are looking forward to hearing what you have to say and whoever else you bring it on to the show, whether it be Ronda Rush Wright or whoever else uh, joins up with you. I know you'll have the support not only of uh, Chad, however, but you'll also have the support of myself, the JML Experience, your brother, Gerard T. Smith, the Big Diesel, Gregory Kramer, John, Kendrick, and uh, the Big IQ, Jeff Teeters, Mr. Hulkamania, Bob Ziggler, and millions of people who love to listen to you each and every day, telling it like it is, no matter what. And for that, uh, i got to say, we are extremely happy, grateful, and just very super excited to hear more and more from the Black Widow and her female point of view of the world of wrestling. So, Michelle, from me here at Wrestling Revisited firsthand, as well as the Wrestling Debate Roundtable, which you were part of, too, part of this roundtable too. I congratulate you on your brand new show and I wish you nothing but the best of luck and much love from yours truly. Okay. With that said, folks, we're going to wrap it up here about two minutes early. I know we don't usually end it that early, but sometimes we do. We will be back on in less than an hour, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, don't forget episode 200 getting underway in less than an hour. Caller ID 138055-POUND. Next week, hopefully, the phenomenal one, Gerard T. Smith, will be in the captain's chair. I will be back with you guys in two weeks with episode 40 because I will be out and about this next week, so that's where I'll be. So, with that being said, as we close it out tonight, this is the Iceman saying so long from ringside. We will talk to you again very soon. Have a great Tuesday night, everyone. Be safe. Be extra careful out there tonight, whatever you're doing. And we will talk to you on the flip side here in less than an hour. For now, this is the Iceman saying so long from ringside. And have a good night, everyone. Good night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.